Can, can you hear me? Can, can, can you hear me? You remember those questions? I mean, I'm sorry. Do you remember those uh, commercials? Can, can you hear me now? Can, can you hear me now? I, I, they used to, I used to love those commercials. I don't know why, but they were fun to watch. They were a little quirky, a little odd. But the gist of the message is communication is so important that we were able to communicate with each other. First thing I did when I walked in here before we started recording, I said good morning to the tech team, to my co-host, to those who are here gathered with us. I said good morning. It's a way of connecting with people when we communicate. However, the challenge is when it comes to communicating is where in the world does communication exist when it comes to God? That's the question we're going to be looking at. Does God communicate to humanity? We know that the majority of Americans do communicate to God. It's called prayer. However, the bigger question is, does God communicate with humanity? And today, having all the answers for us, <laughs> my co-host, Janelle. Wow, don't set that up. I am so excited to hear you... Uh, I'm so excited to hear you wax eloquent on this subject. Oh, wow. Yeah. You really set the bar high. I did. <laughs> well, I'm afraid to say that I don't have all the answers. So have you ever heard God speak to you audibly? No, I have not. Okay. Have you ever heard God speak to you in some other fashion or form? I have. Yes. And how do you know that it was God? Through a road sign. God spoke to you through a road sign. He did. <laughs> deer crossing. Or she did. Deer, cro or she. deer crossing. No. No. Shoulder work ahead. Shoulder work ahead. That's the sign. Oh, and that meant you needed to have shoulder surgery. No. Oh shoot. <laughs> I was thinking maybe there was a connection there that you had a bum shoulder going out or something. And yeah. No. No. What was the connection? Um, I was a new mom. Mm -hmm. um, my son was seven or eight months old, and I had to go back to work. Oh. So I found myself on the road at 4 a.m. <laughs> wow. I, I took a shift that I could get off early. Okay. It was a mess. So life was crazy. It was stressful. I was praying a lot. And at one point, out of the sight of my uh, vision, as I'm driving down the road praying, I saw a shoulder ahead and and I didn't just think about like most people drive by that and think oh there's construction coming uh -huh, okay uh -huh. no it, it it made me pause and stop and think oh <laughs> this isn't gonna end very soon <laughs> I don't know to me it was it was God speaking to me through a sign and a literal sign, sign. <laughs> and so you you don't think it was the uh, person who's put the sign there speaking to you no it was God. No, it was God. Fantastic. Just the timing. It was just the perfect timing. Yeah. Like a question had popped into my head, and that was the answer. Right there. Right there. No doubt. Huh. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's the question we want to ask you today. Do you believe that God communicates to you? Do you believe God communicates to others? And how willing are you to be able to listen to that voice? For example... 
In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God is very active in speaking to individuals. But ever since then, God seems to have gotten really quiet, except for a few special people. And it's usually ministers that claim that God spoke to them. What about Muhammad? What about Joseph Smith? They both claim that a God spoke to them. Were they right? Were they wrong? Would you believe them, but yet believe not believe others? These are the questions we want to ponder today as we look at that subject, when God communicates to humanity. Does it happen or does it not? We'll be right back. February 13, 2018, on the show The View, Joy Bahar and the others co-hosts with her were discussing Vice President Pence's religiosity. And Joy said the following, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That, that's called mental illness, if I'm not correct hearing voices. Well, immediately the attention on the set rose because one of the co-hosts, Megan McCain, whose father, those of you in Arizona are completely aware of, became visibly upset. When the discussion turned her direction, she said, Jesus speaks to her every morning. Now, what's interesting is a month later, Joy on that same show apologized to the president and before she publicly apologized she called vice president pence and apologized to him directly but this idea that god speaks to humanity is not new pew research center a few years ago did a research and asked 5000 americans and this is what they discovered when they asked them question the question do you talk to God? 75% of those 5,000 Americans said yes. When they were asked, does God talks, talk back, the number dropped down to 28%. What's interesting is if you go back a few years before that, that was at 25%. So it grew 3% of individuals who believe that God talks to them. But there's a lot of questions surrounding this whole idea of God talking to humanity. For example, does God speak to each human being directly? Or does he use messengers, angels, saints, inspired persons, sages, intermediary representatives, or even road signs? Or another question, does God speak through scriptures or in dreams or through visions? Or is there some other channel of communication that God chooses to use? One question that I find fascinating is, does God appear when God speaks in physical form? Or do human beings only hear the voice of God in their mind? But the big question is, does God communicate at all? But this is not a new question. If you read both the Old and the New Testament, the Hebrew Bible and the Christian New Testament, if you read them both, you will find that God is actively speaking to human beings. 
especially in the Old Testament, you have God speaking through the prophets. The prophets were spokespeople for God. And they usually begin their speech, as it's recorded in the Hebrew Bible, by saying these words, this is the word of the Lord. And when you heard that, this is the word of the Lord, even today when you read that, there seems to be little room for argument and even less room for doubt. The majority of Christians hold that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that it is spoken by God. Therefore, there's not a lot of room for argument or doubt when it comes to that. However, that position that we take today, I'm not sure if it would align with the view that we find in the Hebrew Bible, especially in 1 Kings chapter 22. If you have a chance, sometime I would encourage you to take out your Bible and read 1 Kings chapter 22. It's an amazing story. To put that in a synopsis, it's really what took place as you, that by then the, the kingdom of Israel had been divided in half. You had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom at that time was being ruled by King Jehoshaphat. Down below in the southern kingdom was King Ahab. Well, Jehoshaphat comes to King Ahab and he says, hey, buddy, by the way, have you noticed King Aram? He has taken some of our land, and I think if the two of us put our forces together, we might be able to get that land back. What do you think? Should we do it or not? Well, King Ahab thinks about it and says, well, yeah, I'm in. And Je King Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute. Well, maybe before you get too far and too excited about this, and we start making plans, should you check in with God and see what God thinks? And King Ahab says, eh, that's a good idea. So he gets together 400 prophets. 400 prophets. One of them being Zedekiah. And he talks to them and he says, should I go and fight with King Jehoshaphat against the king of Aram? And the 400 prophets all say, oh yeah, 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 yeah. God will support you. God will give that back to you. Well, when King Jehoshaphat from the north hears this, and he says, really, all 400 agree? Do you have anyone else that you can ask? And King Ahab says, no, why did you have to ask? Well, there is another prophet. His name is Micaiah, but he hates me. Anytime I ask him anything about a word from God, he gives me negative news. Why, I mean, if you really want to go fight King Aram, we should not be talking to him because he will go against the other 400. King Jehoshaphat says, well, we probably should ask him just to make sure. So they do. And Micaiah comes before them. And Micaiah, he looks at the king and says, oh, yeah, go, go. God will support you. And then King Ahab looks at him and says, come on, get real, buddy. Do you really want me to go? Does God really want me to go? And that's when Micaiah becomes very honest and says, if you go, you're not coming back. Here's what's amazing, is both of these prophets, Zedekiah along with the 400, and then Micaiah, who has a completely different answer, both of them 
begin their talks with, this is the word of God. So how does King Ahab, how does King Jehoshaphat know what is the word of God? They both claim to have words from God. Now the temptation is to say, wait, one is lying. One of them is telling the truth and the other one is lying. But that's not what the story tells us. They both have different responses. They both have different answers from God. But how? How does that happen? How is it that God can give both of them answers? In our minds, we want to say, no, only one of them is right. The other one is wrong. But the story won't let us off that easy. Listen to what it says in verses 19 and 20 of 1 Kings chapter 22. Micaiah says the following. Listen now, ready for this, to the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord seated on his throne with all the host of heaven in attendance, on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, ready? Who will entice Ahab to attack and fall on Ramoth Gilead, the land that they wanted. One said one thing and one said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. Another word there is, I will deceive him. How, said the Lord, I will go out, he said, and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Here's where it's fascinating. You shall entice him. You shall deceive him, said the Lord, and you shall succeed. Go and do it. Now, as much as that may make us uncomfortable, a plain reading of the text tells us that the Lord sends a lying spirit deliberately to deceive or mislead Ahab and thus lure him on his predetermined doom. God does both. God can send a truth, but God can send a deceitful message. And the prophets, how do they know which one's right? I mean, on one side you got Zedekiah who's saying, go Ahab, and then on the other side you got Micaiah who's going, no Ahab, right? You got, you got both of this going on, and both of them are from God. That's what the text is saying. Now again, it's easy for us to argue and say, no, 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 no. Only one Micaiah was from God. That's not what the text says. So how in the world is King Ahab supposed to know what is or is not from God? And how is a prophet supposed to know? How does a prophet know that he's actually speaking truth or he's being misled, he is an agent of deceit being used by God. Man, it's so easy today to ignore these questions. It's so easy for us today to say, well, God spoke to me. God told me. And we speak with such confidence and maybe we want that. Maybe we need that in a world where at times in our own life and around us, we feel like everything's out of control. It's complete chaos. 
we need some kind of certainty, and that certainty seems to come from the Word of God. But how does one know for certain if it's God to begin with, and if God is speaking truth, or God is trying to deceive you? One author says the following, If it be held that the Lord uses a lying spirit to put into the mouth of prophets a deceiving word, what certainly can any prophet have that he is speaking the true word of the Lord? May he not always wonder whether God may not merely be toying with him, using him as the agent of a deceiving word. So here's the questions we're going to conclude with. Number one, does God speak to human beings? Number two, what modality does God use? Number three, how do you know if it's truly from God or it is a human thought that we attribute to God? And then finally, number four, is it beneficial to doubt if God does or does not communicate with humanity? We're in the midst of our series looking at the role of doubt in the Christian life. So that last question intrigues me. Is it beneficial to doubt if God does or does not communicate with humanity? And is it, if you have those doubts, do you want to tell someone about it? Is it safe to tell someone that, I mean, imagine someone comes to you and says, you know, God told me, and then you look at them and say, hmm, interesting. Is it safe to doubt? Is it wise to doubt? Think about that, and when we get back, we'll talk about that. We'll be right back.
the word of God for the people of God. And Janelle, what is the proper response? Do you remember? The word of God for the people of God. Is this a UCC thing? No, it's a mainline <laughs> church thing. <laughs> then the people say, thanks be to God. And it's, oh, usually, okay, yeah. it's usually said after they read the scripture. The word of God for the people of God, thanks oh, be yeah. to God. Now when you put it in context. I Think remember. about that. That says a lot about this whole idea of communication. It does. So going back to you, well, what are your thoughts? First of all, I'd just like to thank everybody for taking time out of their busy day to spend some time with us pondering doubt. Yes. Yeah, we've got a good group here, and we've got those of you watching us. And if those right. of you who ever are on the corner of Glendale and 7th Avenue in Phoenix, Arizona, on 845, you can come here and watch us live. And if you're not here live, mm -hmm. how can they participate either live now or at a later time? Uh, the best way is to go to our website, uh, www.beatitudeschurch.org, and you can go to Latest Media and watch the whole recording, or you can go to our YouTube channel as well. And if you have comments after the fact, please email them to us at media at beatitudeschurch.org. And thank you for those of you who do email us. We look at those, and we try our best to reply as quickly as possible. We do. So we have to make a probably a qualification, don't we, from the start that this is if you believe in an interventionist God. Mm, that's a good, yeah. So <laughs> is that the premise? Well, I think that's the challenge that mm. what you just said is how you view the question, does God communicate? Behind that is what you just said, mm -hmm. your view of God. If yes. you believe that God is a intimate God, mm -hmm. that God is involved in our day-to-day -day lives, yes. then it's probably easier to believe that God communicates. Mm -hmm. If you believe that God is more of a transcendent, many people would call that kind of a deist God, that God kind of got everything okay. going and then just kind of like, hmm, it's, it's all yours. Yeah. Right. Then it's probably more difficult to believe in a God who communicates. Right. But I think, if in Pew Research seems to back this up, mm. the majority of Christians probably believe in an interventionist God. It sounds like it, if you look at the stats. Yes. Um, but it's not necessarily an audible communication that most people, I think, well, most people I've encountered, they say that God speaks to them through the Word, through the Bible. Through the Bible, right. Yeah, and I was reading an article last night where I was talking about how do you know if it's God's word or if God is speaking to you? Mm -hmm. And this writer said, you always go back to, does it coincide with the Bible? But my question mm -hmm. is, how do you know that the Bible is the word of God? <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, I mean... Well, you're questioning... <laughs> Well, a lot of folks well, in, in, in the, <laughs> for I centuries. I remember in seminary mm -hmm. this, talking to a theology professor about this. Mm -hmm. And he, it, it, to me, at that moment, it felt like circular reasoning. How do you know the Bible is the word of God? Well, it's inspired. Mm -hmm. How do you know it's inspired? Because it's in the Bible. <laughs> Why is it in the Bible? Because it's inspired. I get it. It's, it's this circular reasoning. Right. But ultimately, isn't it human beings that are saying this is God's word because mm -hmm. right 
So you're believing another human being. So then it comes down to if you think it's inspired or not. I, I think it comes back to what you said, your view of God. The yeah. challenge is a lot of individuals, and I may be, uh, yeah, yeah. sometimes I, it's like I put my foot in my mouth. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for example, <laughs> if, if you, I would say the majority of Christians, from the studies I've looked at, the majority of Christians don't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are they basing it on this idea that the Bible is the word of God, that God is spoken to them through the Bible? Someone told them. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole church is built on that. No and yes. Oh. I mean, back there were people, when they came to putting the Bible together, they had to make a decision. What goes mm -hmm. in, what doesn't? Mm -hmm. How did they know? I mean, the Roman Catholics for the longest time had their primary canon. Yeah. And then they had secondary. Okay. They were inspired, but not inspired to the same degree as the rest of the Bible. It's called the Apocrypha. Mm -hmm. Well, when the Protestants with Martin Luther, they broke off, they, they said, nope, we're not including that. Mm -hmm. However, Martin Luther wanted to exclude certain books from the Bible, including Revelation. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Thomas Edison went through and took a pair of scissors and cut through and decided what would be and would not be in his Bible. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we've always made decisions upon what we consider to be inspired or not inspired. Uh -huh. Seventh-day Adventists have Ellen White. Mormons have Joseph Smith. In fact, they have about, um, I read yesterday, um, what is it, 16 different prophets? Well, they've, they've had one, like they have one now. Right, because what the Mormons believe is that from Joseph Smith, the, yeah. the, the spokes, it, the, the prophet in the Mormon church is a lot like the Pope in the Catholic church. They are, oh, gotcha. they are the representative of God here mm -hmm. on earth and therefore can speak for God. I saw a picture of all the prophets, Did the you? Mormon prophets. And I was taken by Did the Did you fall the in fact, love? No, it was all white men. Well, yeah, we know what Jesus was white. But we're not going to go there. I'm so. just joking. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe some people are more gifted than others to hear the voice of God. Well, then is it their gift or is it God choosing who God will or won't speak to? I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah, but I mean, the other day I was, uh, I was up late. Mm -hmm. standing out on my balcony, looking out over the city. Mm -hmm. And I looked to my right, and there was Jesus. Really? As real as you are to me, right there beside me. Right a vision. There. A vision. No, literally there. Oh. And yeah. what did you say? We talked. About? You. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and God told, Jesus told me uh -huh. that... He's going to test your faith. How do I know that you're not so a deceitful he, prophet? There you go. See? I don't know. Exactly. Skepticism. So think about these people back then. Right. And how much their life, I mean, literally, their life could be on the line if you go into battle or if you don't go into battle mm -hmm. based upon if you believe or not believe who's speaking for God. 
Oh, by the way, what Jesus said, he's going to test your faith. He wants you to quit your job and your husband to quit his job. Oh. And within, once you quit your job, within one week, uh -huh. you will receive $3 million. Oh. <laughs> but God's going to, Jesus wants to test your faith. So are you going to quit your job? Do you believe me? I have a healthy dose of skepticism about things. Like so wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you believe that God spoke to you through a sign, but I'm telling you, Jesus mm -hmm. was literally right there, like he first appeared to his disciples. Yeah, but it's you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I feel sorry for our church members. They. <laughs> While I'm preaching, they're probably going, oh, gosh. Here he goes is again. He, is, he, is he lying, lying or deceitful, or is he telling us? Sorry. Um. But, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. First of all, Jesus never appeared to me. Okay. But, but that's the kind of issue when it comes to this question about does God communicate to human beings? And to, it, it's, it, as much as Joy probably was wrong in saying what she did. Right. Uh, it's one thing, like she said, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another when Jesus talks back. Mm -hmm. And we call that a mental illness. We do. But we don't. She called and apologized. I, well, from, from why did she apologize? Like Probably the heat. I, that's what I'm thinking. I think it was a pressure thing. But if you take an even bigger step back, isn't this just drill down to the fact that we all fear circumstance, you know? <laughs> and so then what you, are you asking? Are you asking so that basically so there, God prophets is our... are going to the, to God for answers because they're, they're actually just scared of the future. And so my, again, my question is, does God answer them or not? What, how would we feel if, if president Biden, mm -hmm. Uh, this coming week, got on the got on the TV and did a State of the Union and said, "Folks," he said, "I've done a lot of prayer over the last few weeks, mm -hmm. and God spoke to me in a vision, and we are going to war in Ukraine." <laughs> he would get a lot of flack. <laughs> I think there would be people who believed him, and there would be people who doubted him. More debtors, yes. How, how, do, how does one know? I mean... Well, why do you need to know? Like... Well, that, that's the question. Does God speak to humanity? If the answer is yes, mm -hmm. then you probably ought to have a good way of knowing. And in, in like this one minister said, the way you know is you compare it to the Bible. But the Bible says that God will deceive people. In First Corinthians, Kings chapter twenty-two, and it, this isn't the only place where God sends contradictory messages. Okay, I listened to Bishop Spong a okay. lecture last night okay. on four prophets. That's a great way to spend a Saturday night. Four minor prophets. Yes, it was fascinating. He is fascinating. I do have a life, but yeah. Anyway, um, his point was that. The God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. Mm. He's changed. Did God change or did people's understanding of God change? Well, that depends on if you take the Bible literally. Then that? I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, the Canaanites, the... 
the Babylonians that were more of a polytheistic religion right. where they had many gods? It was tribal gods. It was yeah. the whole atmosphere, yes. environment. That is a lot easier than monotheism. Because mm -hmm. in, in some ways, Judea, Judaism had a problem what? being monotheistic because they had to see everything coming from one God. Yeah. If you were polytheistic, if you believed in many gods, then mm -hmm. you could have a God who gives one message, and then you got a God who gives another message and another message. And so that would explain why you have this plurality of views. Right. I don't think Zedekiah, according to this story, mm -hmm. was trying to do anything deceitful. I believe that he thought in his mind mm -hmm. that God was speaking to him as much as Micaiah was believing that God spoke to him. Yeah. There's just no doubt in my mind that they believe that, that they believe that God spoke to them. But according to Micaiah, he's saying, wait a minute, you need to understand that God deceives some people, some right. prophets, and others he'll be honest with. That's a problem we don't like today. No, it's interventionist God, can, like instrumenting everything kind of manipulative almost. I don't well, know. But that, that's, that's when you have a monotheistic God, that's one of the challenges you're going to have to deal with. Right. I mean, in, in, in the same period of time, in the Kings and Chronicles, you read stories where God does evil. Well, even in the polytheistic world, if you're getting two different messages from two different gods. Yeah, but that's easier. Be... Yeah, but that's easier to explain at least. Oh. Then you choose which God you're going to believe. Well, yeah, you still have a quandary. Yeah, but you choose. You have an explanation. That's a, To me, that's easier to say one God wants you to do this, another uh -huh. God wants you to do this. Then you kind of have to make up your mind. But if you have one God and this God will intentionally deceive you, well, that's then, what I'm saying. then you're really messed up. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's both the same. I don't know. I think... Um, There's so many different ways to communicate as, as far as God speaking to you. Okay. So maybe he speaks through other people that talk to you and give you counsel. Why is, why is that God? What why isn't that just other people giving me counsel? Because you believe in an interventionist God. Okay, so if your daughter came home and said to you, your mm -hmm. daughter is how old? 16. 16. Your daughter comes home and says to you, Mom, um, one of my teachers, mm -hmm. he's uh, mid-50s, mm -hmm. single man, mm -hmm. God spoke to him, and God wants us to marry. <laughs> And God came to him in you. And, and I would say, God, God is deceitful. He's deceitful. <laughs> so. So, so you just decided what was or wasn't from God. So why does God come into, why do we bring God into this to begin with? I, I think one of the things that I find fascinating what? is three chapters before this story uh -huh. with King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. There's the story of Elijah, and it says that the Lord was not in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. 
but rather he was in silence. This one author says the following, the traditional symbols of the Lord's presence and activity no long, long no, I'm sorry, no longer seem to carry power or conviction. Where he, Elijah, had been taught to believe that the Lord was present in the wind, earthquake, and fire, then he found him to be disturbingly absent. Then he goes on and says, this is the part that really is the punchline. Some of the most hallowed symbols of God's presence with his people, whether verbal or visual, had to be broken so that the people might find God anew. But it is hard to live with broken symbols, hard indeed to accept that the breaking of such hallowed symbols may be necessary element in continuing faith. The idea being that maybe we are so quick to use a word from God as a way of exerting power and authority. And maybe instead we need to step back and say, let's look at other ways in which God may be communicating to humanity. Mm -hmm. And for Elijah, that was in silence. Right. I find it interesting that the text says what? that Elijah heard God in the silence. Yeah. It wasn't like there was silence and then boom, this noise comes. No. In silence. It's such a deep silence. Mm-hmm. And maybe... It's like that look you give your kids. You don't say a word. Yeah. And you just uh, the give a, And it's totally silent. Yeah. And you know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was always in my dad's eyes. <laughs> I, but I wonder if we are missing something when it comes to this idea of silence. Hmm. maybe we need to think about that God speaks primarily through silence. Hmm. There's a thought. I keep going back to everybody's God is different. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's unified on this. Exactly. My God is different than your God, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, not only, and we're just talking within the realm of Christianity. How yeah. many religions are out there? How many different gods are being worshipped? Right. And we want to choose which one we think is the true God. But if you have mm -hmm. all these ideas of different gods, then all of them have these different ideas. But I think the one thing that either these gods are revealing themselves mm -hmm. or humans are creating gods, one way or the other, people have mm -hmm. to decide that. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that is consistent, either God revealing or humans creating, is that God what? is seen as somehow being tied to love and compassion. The dominant religions that I've looked at all seem to have that as an underlying thread. Yes. So that to me says something about either humanity or about God. Mm-hmm. That is really powerful. It is. And I think that's why I'm a little tentative hmm. to, for me personally, to tell people that God said God wants right. and to be that spokesperson. Right. And at times as a minister, that becomes a challenge. The one thing I mm. won't do, unless someone is doing something that is going to either harm themselves or harm someone else, yeah. 
I will not tell someone if they tell me, well, God said to me, God wants me to, God, right. I, I don't negate it. That's their experience. Right. And maybe, as much as I may have doubt, I, who am I to say that they're wrong? Right, exactly. It's Unless they're perception. doing something that will hurt themselves or hurt another human being. I mean, think about what happened with Jim Jones, David Koresh, these other individuals mm -hmm. who got people to basically kill themselves or allowed to be killed Yeah, because they believed that God had spoken to this person. Mm -hmm. So when we believe in an interventionist God, a God who communicates to humanity, it opens up a can of worms. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I don't have enough wisdom to know when it is or isn't God, to know if God intervenes or doesn't intervene. All I can tell you is for me, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I look back at my life and I don't believe, I, 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 there were times when I believed that God spoke to me. Mm -hmm. But now that I look back, mm -hmm. no. So what happened? Was I right before and wrong now? Yeah, what or happened? Or was I wrong before and right now? I, I don't know. My views of God changed. Mm. The life, experiences, mm -hmm. reading, studying, reflecting, all of that changed my view of God. You know, hopefully I've got another 20, 30 years left. <laughs> um, and Let's hope. more than likely, my view of God will probably shift again. I'm sure it will. Otherwise, you're not growing, and there you go. Right. So that's that's what's. So go, I'm going to go back before we end with that one question: hmm. Is it beneficial to doubt if God does or does not communicate with humanity? What do you think? Beneficial. Yes. I think it's wise to doubt. Hmm. Wise and beneficial are two different. Right. Is it beneficial to doubt if God communicates or does not communicate with humanity? Man, it depends on the circumstance. Exactly. I, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Uh, I either do I. And I think that's what's hard is because it is such an intimate question mm -hmm. when it comes to your own experience of God, especially in times of trauma or crisis. Yes. That to doubt can just really mess people up. Yeah. But then on the other side, not doubting can mess people up. That's true. I mean, so what are we going to do? We are going to look to next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's what, Janelle, one of the challenges of, of uh, this podcast and churches that maybe are a little bit more open to questioning and doubting is I think people want to walk away having everything neatly packaged and mm -hmm. feel good yes. about. And raising questions and having doubts doesn't leave you with feeling that mm -hmm. until, until you learn how to live with the doubts and the questions. True. And that, that comes from a different way of maybe looking at God mm -hmm. and looking at humanity. Mm -hmm. And 
There's a hat that I wear. It's a baseball cap. Sometimes <laughs> I'll wear it. And on it is a picture of a monkey. It, <laughs> okay. It's Curious George. Oh. And I think that's the word that I'm more interested in now instead of doubting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Yeah. Curious. Curious to look at all these different questions and, and, and ponder them. And that makes you feel more comfortable. I don't know. No, that isn't true. To be curious rather than no, because a lot of times, a lot of times it creates angst for me. Even curiosity creates angst. Oh, but no pain, no gain. Hmm. No growth. Hmm. Right. Well, thank you for joining us here on Mono Dia. Um, apologies to you for not having neatly wrapped this one up and put a bow on it and tied it up all nicely for you. But that isn't really our job. You have a mind. You have a particular way that you understand God, that you understand humanity, that you even understand yourself. Our purpose is to journey with you, to be there to maybe raise questions, to offer you a different way of thinking when the, your old ways of thinking are no longer working. If they're working for you, good. But if you are inquisitive, if you do have questions and they no longer work, that's why we're here at Monodia. For those of you who would like, we have a meditation that will immediately follow after we conclude the Monodia, the monologue and the dialogue part of that. So you may want to be able to listen to that now or perhaps come back to it at a later time and listen to that meditation. Monodia is a alternative way of worshiping. To, not, to speak about things and to reflect on things that truly impact how we live our lives and how we treat other people. Because we believe that what you believe about God, what you believe about humanity, including yourself, matter in how we live in our society. Whatever you're doing this coming week, stay safe out there, and we look forward to seeing you back on Manodia in two weeks or join us next week for a closer look. Take care. Safety breathing. Safety breathing is a practice of sending our breath to our stomachs and our chests. Often when we are scared or nervous or even excitable, you may notice that our stomachs or chests can feel tight or jittery as if you were to have butterflies there. By sending intentional breath to both locations one at a time, it helps us to calm our feelings. So wherever you are, begin sitting straight up with both of your feet on the floor, arms uncrossed, and if possible, with your back against something so you feel supported. 
Now inhale slowly and deeply through your nose and send for the first half of your breath to your stomach, expanding your stomach out. And then send the second half of your breath to your chest. You should feel your chest rise. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. Inhale slowly and deeply through your nose and send the first half of that breath to your stomach. Continue that breath, sending the second half to your chest. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. And when your mind wanders as it will, forgive yourself and return to the physical sensation of the breath. Mm -hmm. 